Welcome back to Tanakhcast. This is episode 143. We'll conclude the book of Micah with a brief summary of chapters 4 through 7 and follow with some thoughts about originals, covers, and inspiration. In case you're just joining us, Micha has prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem. In chapter 4, he follows up that dire vision with, quote, In the days to come, the mount of the Lord's house shall stand firm above the mountains, and it shall tower above the hills. The peoples shall gaze on it with joy, and the many nations shall go up and say, Come, let us go up to the mount of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For instruction shall come forth from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Hmm. Now where have we heard or read this before? But that isn't all. Quote, in that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and will gather the outcast and those I have treated harshly, and I will turn the lame into a remnant and the expelled into a populous nation, and the Lord will reign over them on Mount Zion now and forevermore. But Micha then jump cuts back to the present, to the people and their worry about a notable lack of leadership. I understand things. I comprehend very well. But he assures them that God will provide because God has a plan. Chapter 5 spells it out. A leader from the tribe of Judah, from the town of Bethlehem, an alliance of, quote, seven shepherds, eight princes of men who will shepherd Assyria's land with swords, the land of Nimrod in its gates. Thus he will deliver us from Assyria should it invade our land and should it trample our country. As for the people, the remnant who survived the disaster and the inevitable collapse of the culture that worships idols, human power, and strength. We're going to win so much. We're going to win that the people of Missouri are going to go to your governor and they're going to say, Governor, please go see the president. We can't stand winning so much. Remember, I used to say that, right? But the plan is not a guarantee. Chapter 6 enlists the Jews, or more like challenges them, to a public debate with the mountains and the hills as witnesses. God makes the case that he has done so much for the people, but they are remote and aloof. And the near offering of thousands of rams isn't going to repair this breach. What will? Quote, only do justice and to love goodness and to walk modestly with your God which is exactly what isn't happening in Jerusalem. The city is not a harbinger of morality. Instead, it is a city, quote, whose rich men are full of lawlessness and whose inhabitants speak treachery with tongues of deceit in their mouths. Believe me. 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 Chapter 7 zooms out to describe all of the land of Judah. Quote, Woe is me. I am become like leavings of a fig harvest, like gleanings when the vintage is over. There is not a cluster to eat, not a ripe fig I could desire. The pious are vanished from the land. None upright are left among men. All lie in wait to commit crimes. One traps the other in his net. What is one to do in such a place? Quote, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God who saves me. My God will hear me. And so as Micha concludes his eponymous book, he shifts into full consolation mode, a vision of the payback our enemies will receive when God reveals himself and brings down rack and ruin on those that would persecute the Jews, followed by a vision of grace, reminiscent of the days after the exodus from Egypt when God took us in hand and led us to the promised land. And on that optimistic note, here endeth the lesson.
When Otis Redding penned Respect in 1965, it was, at first, a ballad, written for Speedo Sims, who intended to record it with his band, The Singing Demons. Redding reworked the lyrics and sped up the rhythm, and when Speedo went with The Singing Demons to the Muscle Shoals studios, they just couldn't make it work, so Redding decided to sing the song himself. The song was included on Redding's third studio album, Otis Blue. Otis Redding's Respect gives voice to a nameless working man, who demands a little respect from his woman. He's had a hard day at work, he's put up with a lot, and he can put up with a lot more, giving her all of his hard-earned money. He can even put up with her running around on him during the workday. But all he's asking for is... Is that so unreasonable a request? Lyrically, Redding's original is fairly traditional, as uh, Hanif Abdurraqib wrote in his eulogy for Aretha Franklin at Vulture, quote, There isn't much interesting in a man insisting on respect when he comes home from work. And being a traditional song sung by a man to a woman, it was inevitably about submission. So when Aretha Franklin came to the song in 1967, she made some subtle changes and added some lyrics, which transformed the song into what Carl Wilson at Slate called, quote, the greatest cover song of all time and the quintessential empowerment anthem. I'm sure you've heard respect countless times, but I'll put a YouTube link to it at thenextjew.com to give Aretha her propers. When Redding heard Aretha's respect, he famously declared, that girl took my song for me. He never got over it. Much in the way the Fugees took Killing Me Softly with his song from Roberta Flack, who took it from Laurie Lieberman, or Sinead O'Connor, who took Nothing Compares to You from Prince, or Jimi Hendrix, who took All Along the Watchtower from Bob Dylan, or Whitney Houston, who took I Will Always Love You from Dolly Parton, or Jeff Buckley, who took Hallelujah from Leonard Cohen. There's a long tradition of covers stealing the thunder of the original, and what we experienced in this portion of the book of Micah is the biblical version of that tradition. Micha took the whole acharitayamim, end of days scenario, and imagery straight from Yeshayahu. Or did Yeshayahu take it from Micha, or did they both take it from an anonymous earlier source? Scholars have written about this phenomena in the biblical and the New Testamental world. If you'd pile all the research into a stack, it would be as high as well. It would be a very big stack. And before I get into that and my hot take on the cover versus original, a quick foray into chapter 4. It begins much in the same way as Isaiah chapter 2. I'll quote from Micha since we're here, and I'll delve a little deeper after. Quote, In the days to come, the mount of the Lord's house shall stand firm above the mountains, and it shall tower above the hills. The peoples shall gaze on it with joy. And the many nations shall go and shall say, Come, let us go up to the mount of the Lord, to the house of the gods of Jacob, that he may instruct us in his ways, and that we may walk in his paths, for instruction shall come forth from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Thus he will judge among the many peoples, and arbitrate for the multitudes of nations, however distant, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not take up sword against nation, they shall never again know war. But every man shall sit under his grapevine or fig tree, with no one to disturb him, for it was the Lord of hosts who spoke. 
Okay, so for all the regular synagogue attendees out there, you'll recognize the four instruction shall come forth line, because we sing it when we take the Torah out of the Ark as part of the Torah reading service. And if you've been to the United Nations in New York City, or listened to episode 136, or went to a Jewish summer camp or youth group, you'll recognize the nation not taking up sword business from the song. But for the close readers of Yeshayahu, which I include all of you as we read Isaiah chapter 2 together in episode 90, the text sounds like a very close copy. If I was their teacher and both submitted this passage in their essay, my plagiarism spidey sense would be tingling, as the differences are truly minute. In fact, in the English, there is no difference in Safaria's rendering. Where the versions diverge is what follows the opening, verse 5 in Micah. Quote, Though all the peoples walk each in the names of its gods, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Imagine the scene, much like a typical day in the UN building in New York, except set in some future time in Jerusalem, and there are hovercrafts, and lens flares, and all the peoples in gathered to Jerusalem, each with their own God coming to learn from the Jews how to behave themselves. But within six verses, the tone shifts dramatically. The non-Jews are coming, but not to learn how to behave. Instead, they're coming for another purpose. Quote, Indeed, many nations have assembled against you who think, let our eye obscene gaze on Zion. So which is it? Who grafted this chapter together to incorporate the end of days verses? Who knows? And we can never know if Micha's end of days inspired Yeshayahu or vice versa, but does that really matter? For many, Aretha's respect is the only respect, and for me, I didn't even know about Lori Lieberman, and I'm a big, big Lauren Hill fan, so the Fuji's version was for me the ultimate. All of which is to say that when inspiration strikes, what emerges from that moment is what's important. And if it happens to emerge out of a pre-existing matrix, well, so much the better. Whether it's Micha riffing on Yeshayahu, or vice versa, or both riffing on an earlier ancient lost prophecy. What matters is how it resonates with the listener. Whether it motivates them to repent and be better people or not. And for me, I'll always prefer Lauren Hill. If you like what you heard today, spread the word about TanakhCast. Send a friend an email to say, Hey, would it kill you to check out TanakhCast? Or even better, write a brief review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Smart Radio, or SoundCloud. It's a small thing, really, but it will help other people who might be interested in some Bible learning find this podcast. Or if you want to help in a bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for Episode 144, when we begin and complete the seventh book in the Book of Twelve with Nahum chapters 1 through 3. Everybody got a breaking point, kid.